Welcome to the Awakening Podcast. You can find all our episodes on awakeningpodcast.org. We're also on BitChute. And I have four other podcasts, and I'm also a podcasting coach. And they're the speaking podcast, the Learn Polish, the Meditation, and the Crypto. And all can be found on bio.link forward slash podcast. Today, my guest, addiction interventionist, certified drug prevention professional, substance abuse counselor. Please welcome Bobby Newman. Thank you. Hi. <laughs> so that, that's a, a lot of things that you're doing, and I know you're helping people with addiction. So I suppose, I suppose the first thing we do is start off on your own journey because, you know, just that, how you got into all of this. Well, I, I went through my own program about 21 years ago. I went through, um, uh, I was addicted to methamphetamine, alcohol, you know, started out with alcohol, then it was marijuana, and then I got ind- addicted to stimulants and ended up, uh, you know, using drugs for about 16 or, well, I don't know, I guess probably 16 or 17 years, and the last, you know, seven or eight was very heavily and almost ended up in federal prison and was fortunately given the opportunity to go to rehab instead. And as I went through the program, I started, things started happening. I evolved and uh, I was able to handle some pretty heavy, you know, underlying issues and uh, turn my life around. And so in doing so, I wanted to reach out and help others. And the primary, one of the things I want to do is educate kids. And, um, and I had my son, my oldest son was eight years old at the time. So I got into drug prevention at that time and was able to be involved with setting up two drug education programs uh, in various parts of the United States. And uh, we reached, ended up reaching over 650,000 kids in a, over a 10 year period. And then I got into intake counseling. I got into discharge planning of people that had gone through, I was with a particular treatment program for about 16 years. And then I went out on my own as an interventionist because I had developed an, a knack for doing interventions on people with working with families, with loved ones who were struggling with addiction, but refusing help. And uh, through that was able to, uh, you know, start my own business about five years ago. Excellent. So that's, it, that's what led into where I'm at now. So I suppose like, cause I suppose being a parent is probably the most important thing. And a lot of the time the children is involved in whether it's alcohol or drugs whatever before you know a long time before what like what's the best way of kind of engaging with a child and even perhaps even finding out are they well just being aware you know being you know folks always ask me what's the best way to um you know mentor your child or maybe be aware of what's going on with your child and i you know my thing is, is to, you know, want to set a good example, you know, where they want to model, model themselves after you in a good way. Uh, also be a person to which they would feel safe coming and talk, talking to when they have things going on and they need to discuss. And, you know, I mean, obviously there's certain times you have to be a parent and you have to, you know, keep them in, you know, uh, keep their, keep the boundaries in, I should say, but doing so in a manner to which they feel like if there's an issue going on that they can come and talk to you. You know, if there's things that they've got going on and being aware of, you know, if a kid is, you know, who they're hanging out with is a big indicator. They're hanging out with a bunch of knuckleheads. Trust me, they're probably, there's something going on there, but if they're hanging around with people that are kids that are trying to improve themselves, that have goals, that are constantly striving, have strong interest in things and positive activities, that's a good sign. 
So our mistakes going to be made along the way, of course, but you know, it's, it's trying to help guide them and mentor them in a positive way. That's uh, really important and being, being aware of what's going on with them. So, yeah, I know that uh, it was my mother was my saving grace because like loads of times she was preventing me from hanging around with different people. And, you know, one ended up in prison another there's plenty of more alcoholics like and another died from drugs so you know right. it's yeah you, you have to kind of it's, and sometimes sometimes some parents they don't even know who their kids are hanging around with and it's like you have to know everything you have to know who these people are and what's going on in their household and just <laughs> yeah. be conscious but so yeah. many people they just kind of let the, you know they're happy the child is outside of the door you know that they, they have peace yeah. get on with their own life and uh, yeah you, you need to take control well, you know, it's funny because a lot of times I, when I, by the time I get involved with this interventionist, the, the, the addiction's been going on for years and people are like, they have no idea of what's happening. They have, it's totally oblivious. And when I walk in, I'm like, well, it's obvious that it's to me that this is, you know, it's glaring. And the fact that these folks don't, aren't aware of it is, is quite amazing to me. But, you know, me having the background that I do, I'm, I'm a, in, tune with it i'm not over overly protective i don't you know i don't want to believe be a helicopter parent you know i need you know the kids need to make their own mistakes they need to learn how to fix their own mistakes things like that but you know i'm definitely going to be like you said i'm going to be aware <laughs> of who's who I, I even know all my neighbors i mean it's funny some some communities you live in people don't even know who their neighbors are i know who all my surrounding neighbors are <laughs> it's, it's just a matter of me being that type of person you know it's not that I, i'm nosy and want to go and look i'm just going to say hi to people and go over and meet them and hello and how's it going and you know unfortunately i met the neighbors behind me because my dog got out and went over and <laughs> caused some damage but uh, you know we ended up in, in a good spot with them so <laughs> but um you know, if, you've got, gotta, if you can get yeah. neighbors that got your back you know instead yeah, yeah. of it, instead of that are kind of you know their noses in your business then it's good mm. yeah exactly but uh i have a neighbor across the road i call him state farm it's like we have a there's a commercial here in the united states called state farm like a good neighbor <laughs> so i call him state farm because he's a good neighbor he's just a good guy he's been here for a long time and anyway this is a good really good person so so you mentioned at the start that you kind of you know you you could have went to prison but they kind of allowed you you know to kind of get yourself sorted and like I I see so many people going to prison, especially in America. Like it's massive, and it's it's not the right place to put them unless obviously a serious crime is committed. When right. they're in, like even here, like I know a guy, he was selling marijuana and he got seven years in jail. And it's like it's not the right way to you know rehabilitate. That's why so many people go back in. Like they're then surrounded with the wrong people yeah. while they're in prison. Well, I you know the theme it is is for me I got introduced to you know i've been arrested many times throughout my life and i the last time i was arrested it was for federal charges and i got put in uh, a jail that was 80 percent of the people in that jail were going to prison and so i got introduced to the public that was going to be in prison it wasn't just like where i'm from in a rural part of america small town America where I would get put in jail and I would be around, you know, it wasn't a big deal because I knew a lot of the people that I was in jail with. And um, so this was different. And I was smart enough to walk into the federal courthouse and negotiate my 
charges from seven years down to two weeks and 300,000 in fines down to 2,500. I did it all without an attorney, but then I was addicted enough to where I kept violating. And they, fortunately, my family had done the research and was able to find me, well, why don't you go to rehab instead of going, because you're going to mess around your own probation. So you're going to mess around and go to jail. And I turned them down the first time they came and talked to me, I said, no. And then I kept, I, then I, I had already violated, I'd messed up the deal that I'd made, which was, you know, I did it all again without an attorney, but I was making, I was stupid enough to then violate that enough times to where they finally, the court said, look one more time and you're going. And uh, fortunately I was able to have the mindset or the clarity of the moment of saying, well, you know what, maybe I should just take my family up on that offer. And I went over and did that. And, you know, I, I didn't go because honestly, unfortunately I didn't go because I thought it would actually help me. I, I went because I thought I didn't want to go to jail. And that was the amount of pressure that it took for me to overcome and confront my drug case and get off drugs. And um, unfortunately, the program I went through was very, very thorough and very successful. And it really changed my life. I mean, my life's been a miracle since. I, I never would have thought that would have happened. And for most addicts that I deal with, I, I don't you know, it's hard to convince them that things can be different, that, that they could actually get help and be helped and change. And, and then there's, so there are always two things when I go and talk to them that I promise them. I say, there's two things that can happen here. One is you're going to feel better than you have and who knows how long. And two is you're going to have a different outlook. The rest is going to be up to you, but I can promise you those two things will happen if you'll give it a chance. And most people want that. They want to feel better and they want to have a different outlook. So you can then motivate them to at least take that step to start the process. Was that kind of full time that you were inside in a, a place to kind of for rehabilitation or? Yeah. And so what's going on in your head and what are they doing? Like, are you trying to fight it all along? What's the kind of journey where you were going through, you know, recovering? Well, I, I went there because I, I walk, I remember the first day I was there and they were, well, not the very first day, but within a couple of days, I'm doing an assessment and they're asking me why I'm there. And I said, well, I didn't want to go to prison. And they said, well, is that the only reason you're here? And you know, you're not here because handling a drug problem. And I said, well, that's the reason I was going to prison is because of drug problems. So I guess essentially, and they go, oh, okay. So you're here to handle your drug problem. And which is the reason you were going to prison because their 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 policy was if you're there just to keep from going to jail that this is not the right place for you you need to be here to handle your problem right which is you know obviously your decision making and drug addiction and things so and you know i was like oh yeah so i i, I remember that part but then the key element for me was their this particular program of a very strong nutritional support and they were, you know, in my, I knew my liver was going bad. I knew physically I was going downhill rapidly. So I thought, and they were the very first component of that was to feel better. And so, and I wanted to feel better it was the nutrition and food and sleep and, you know, and just, and, and they had a really thorough detox program that involved a sauna and we were able to push all that stuff out of your system. And I, I wanted to do that. So as I went through that, I, I, I was, I was eager about that. I'm like, okay, good. I, I want to do that. But then as I got later on in the program, I wanted to, I started confronting my own inner demons 
And that's when I started pushing back going, wait a minute, I can't do this. This part here is difficult. I'm now confronting my own transgressions, my own wrongdoings and that, you know, the underlying things that I had been avoiding by doing drugs and in doing, you know, uh, you know, you do things, you know, become a drug addict, you do things that you normally wouldn't do as a, you know, it's not your true self. And not that you can't, don't take responsibility for your actions because you do, but at the same time, drugs make you do things that you normally wouldn't do and you become a person that you're not. And I felt terrible about it. When I came to, I was like, I went to a counselor and I'm like, I, I feel terrible about these things. I, I, I used to brag about these things that I've done and now I feel absolutely horrible. And, you know, I, they literally had me list out all these things that I had done. And I showed him to the counselor and I remember, you know, he says, uh, you know, but you know, the point of, of that, you asked me the question did I fight it? Well, I wanted to leave at that point. And I, if I, I'd already been told if I left, I was going to prison, you know, there's going to be a warrant for me and I'm going to jail. And, but I still was like, you know, maybe that's a better option than having to confront this stuff. And, uh, and so it took him a couple of days to get me, you know, where I could, you know, go back and, and deal with this stuff. And, and once I did, I felt so much better spiritually, mentally, that spiritually or mentally, whatever you, however you want to state it, I just felt like a great big burden had been lifted off of me. I was like, I, and I felt so much better. I was like, wow, I don't know what's happening here, but I feel, but as, as the process went, I, I actually, remember going to the counselor going, man, I, I feel terrible about this stuff. I used to brag about it. I mean, it's like what you call street cred, <laughs> these things that you do, the street cred. And I'm like, I, he, he says, well, the truth is, is that you should feel bad about it. <laughs> That's some pretty crappy stuff. If you didn't feel bad about it, then I would think something was wrong with you. And I, and I was like, well, you know, I wasn't expecting to say that. And, uh, but then it was true. And he said, that, well, the reality is, what are you going to do about it? And I went and I confronted one of the biggest barrier, the, the biggest barriers to overcome and achieving recovery are, are the cravings for the drug or alcohol, the depression and the guilt that or the depression that comes along with not having the drugs, the alcohol or the, or the condition of your life. And then the guilt, the, the guilt is an underlying thing that a lot of people that comes to the surface as you them are no longer numbing yourself with the drugs and alcohol that causes you to or, you know, a lot of people to revert back because they feel so terrible about themselves and about what they've done. And, you know, and we have to, it doesn't mean you have to live with it forever. You can move it on. You can, you know, handle it, take responsibility for it and move on. So, and that, which was fortunately I, was what I was able to do, but it, had you been able to spell it out for me in the beginning, I don't think I would have been able to do it somebody literally had to take me by the hand and walk me down the path. And as I was going down the path, I experienced the changes. Me going in and saying, oh, I'm going to, you know, it's, it's hard for me to explain, but I'm going to do this and I'm going to have this result. Doesn't work that way. You have to go through the process to have the result. So, you know. When, when you get out, then is there part of it that you're kind of maybe, I suppose, apologizing or kind of get trying to get forgiveness from family members or those that you've hurt that perhaps prior to going in, you didn't even realize that you were hurting them. Yeah, that's the truth. I mean, I, I remember walking back to my room uh, one day, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. The things that I had done, the 
you know, it's like, and I just remember sitting down and just crying my eyes out going, man, I just, I can't believe it. I can't believe. It. And then, but then I had the, but then fortunately I was given the opportunity to make amends. You know, some people with the 12 step approach there, you know, it's take a moral inventory and then, you know, then go out and, you know, make, make amends to those you've wronged and other programs that's make up the damage, you know, and you, you go out and you list out, okay, what did I do and how did I do it? You, you feel better about yourself, but at the same time, you go out and take the steps to where you can now, you know, make up the damage that you've created. And um, so, you know, it's like a lot of folks when I was doing discharge planning, when they would go home and they would say, well, I, you know, they were supposed to go up there and make amends. And I'm like, well, or make it, make up the damage. And I'm like, well, I, what'd you do today to make it, I'd be doing follow up with them. And what'd you do today or this week? And they'd say, well, I made my bed every day and I cleaned up my room every day and I did this every day. I'm like, okay, well, that's okay. Now what did you do to make up the damage? <laughs> Those are the normal things that you should be doing anyway. <laughs> now you have to go above and beyond. To oh, what do you mean? I said, yeah, you have to repair <laughs> the damage that you did. That means what did you do for your mom or your dad or your family or those that you've wronged? What have you done? You know, you've got to do that. You know, it's like, and then, then, oh yeah, I guess I better, you know, maybe I ought to, you know, paint that room or, you know, clean out the garage or do whatever, you know, so. And like those that, like, I see some videos in America, the opiate problems. There, like, there's so many people now. Because a friend of mine just uh, came back from New York, and he said, it's just unbelievable. But he said, he's had a lot, you know, because he was there a good few years ago. And I think with, you know, what's going on in the last two years, loads of people lost their jobs. And, you know, yeah. when you're depressed, you, you actually resort to either alcohol or drugs you know, because of financial problems usually as well, you know, there's always a, a chain reaction. So like, I suppose knowing, and like, I know you have a system and we go through that as well, but like, how are people getting into this that they like, even if they're on the, on the road to it, that they can be self-awareness to kind of step back that without even realizing it, if you know what I mean. That's a great question because, you know, I had a friend of mine years ago and I was in Hawaii that um, he was in the military and on the weekends, he had a really good, nice family and a military career and a planned out path and, you know, was doing quite well as far as his progression. And, um, you know, on the weekends, though, he'd have barbecues and have his friends over. They would drink and he would sometimes drink too much. You know, and in my observance of him, though, his they had a little girl at the time. They were the wife would stay sober. She wouldn't get, you know, and he might get really inebriated, but the wife would stay sober in case there was a situation that needed to be dealt with. Somebody was of sound mind. Sometimes it would be the other way around. But, and he asked me, he said, do you think I have a problem? And I'm like, do you think I drink too much? And I said, well, you know, that's, per, that's not, I'm not going to ev evaluate for you. I mean, it, you know, I can, all I can say is that if you can put, you know, your career, your health and your family and all the, everything that matters to you in one hand and alcohol in the other, and you choose the alcohol, obviously you have a problem, you know, but, and, and I knew for him, he would never, he would, he, I knew what was important to him just by his actions and things. And obviously his family, his career was very important. Unfortunately, people cross that line to where now the alcohol and the drugs become more important than anything else, you know? And it's like for, even for me, 
years ago, I, I was trying to do things that would improve my life. I mean, I, I completed trade school. I, I had property at one point. I, you know, wanted to do things that would, you know, be conducive to a happy life, but yet I wasn't giving up to all the things that <laughs> would prevent that from happening, which is drugs and alcohol. So I wasn't able to evaluate that properly and go, what do I need to cut out to be able to get where I want to be? And so that's where, unfortunately, a lot of folks can't see that. So, and they cross through that gray area, but it's too late. They're addicted. They, they become addicted. And then, you know, it usually goes on for years. So. And like with the interventions, like prior to going into the interventions, because in a, what I've noticed, it was I somebody that I was with, a partner that I was with, won't give the names, but like I saw that there was a, a, a drinking problem with, with a family member. And uh-huh. it was like everybody kind of turned the other way. It's like, don't talk about the elephant in the room kind of thing. Whereas yeah. I was saying, we need to get help here. And it was like, they all turned on me for doing that. I wasn't doing this in the aggressive way. I just wanted to, you know, yeah. I realized this is a serious problem here. Uh-huh. And so I presume you've come across that as well. And what should people do when it's it's kind of like, oh, we don't have a problem because there is that kind of thing as well. Like everybody wants to like make it look like we're normal. Right. Well, you know, it's funny because that's true too. There's a lot of like family, the stigma of the problem and, you know, and if the family is willing to confront the situation and to what degree they're willing to confront when people call me, uh, you know, I always, my, there's six parts to doing an intervention that I've laid out for, you know, for me is that one is the decision. Like, you know, you, you, your friend or whomever that was you're talking about, you know, you saw there was a problem, but you know, the people in the family, the, the family members, they didn't want to confront that. Sometimes people will call me and they say, Oh, I, you know, my, my, my sister or my brother or my whomever. And they, but I'm like, so, okay. So the first part is making a decision that you're going to do something. Right. And that means you're going to make a decision that I'm going to handle this come with my come hell or high water approach. I'm going to do this regardless of the pushback that I get from the family regardless from, you know, I'm going to do something, but what we try to do is go, okay, so you've decided that you're going to do something. And then we're going to go to the next person. You know, maybe it's the finances, maybe somebody, maybe the person who wants to do something isn't financially capable of doing any pay, you know, paying for the resources that are needed, but there's a grandpa or a dad or somebody in the family that is, well, then we got to find out who that person listens to. And then we got to go and convince that person of you know hey we need to help so and so you know and it, it kind of has to and i go through the family work my way through the family to where i get everybody on the same page and we but there has to be be a decision by somebody to confront that and you know i used to uh my brother-in-law he's a he's a sales manager at a, at a dealership where i'm from and he's like you know we were talking about handling people and you know and convincing you know sales and he says you know he has to usually talk to one, maybe two people at the most when it comes to make, you know, and I have to, I, I have to go through sometimes six or seven and sometimes have to have conference calls because I have my goal is when I do an intervention, I have to have everybody on the same page. I can't have somebody from the external coming in and 
from the side and going, oh, they've been watching this problem for all these years. And now that the family is going to do something about it, they, oh, I have an idea. This is how we ought to handle it. Well, you've been watching it for the whole time and done nothing. So, and I have to prepare people as we go through that. And those are the folks that I watch out for, because those are the ones that are, may not want that person to get better, to be honest with you. They may not, they may have a hidden agenda. Sometimes it sounds to me like in your case, that maybe maybe the family just didn't want to maybe it was too much and they felt like you know that maybe it would i don't want the person to be mad at me well would you rather be mad at you than or dead you know so what which which was going to be better i mean i I certainly wouldn't want to know that i sat back and watched somebody drown and didn't do anything oh there's nothing i could do and sometimes people can feel comfort in that i I happen to know differently, so it's different for me. <laughs> uh, 85 to 90% of the time, interventions work. People have, you can't force somebody into treatment. Well, the truth is, is that nobody goes to treatment because they're like, nobody does handsprings into, into uh, treatment. <laughs> they go because there's been some adverse event in their life that's caused them to make that decision. And I yeah. suppose the deep yeah. down, they probably, they mightn't even admit it at the time, but deep down, they know that people care about me that they're actually gathering together and making the effort that they want me to change. Yeah, that's right. I've had people that even told me on the way to treatment going, I, the only reason I'm here is because I, my, sometimes even family members that have odds are, are at odds with each other, but they have a positive influence on the person who needs help. I'll we'll get them together and go in the same room. And I've had to have families that I've had to literally run, family conflict almost like family counseling on them before we did the intervention and i'd say one family i did get mad they'd start fighting and they all go to the other opposite ends of the house and i'd have to gather them all back up and then about the third time i started getting mad and i said look i said you i said you want to save this guy's life and he said yeah i said well then get your ass back and sit down and don't do this again i said this is it one more time and i'm i'm leaving you know and then when he walked into the room and he saw everybody together, it had such an impact on him that he just looked at me and kind of shrugged his shoulders. And he told me on the way, he said, I know how those folks feel about each other. And the fact that they were able to gather together in the room for my benefit was meant a lot to me. So it really, it goes a long ways. So, what about- and then a lot of times the opposite of that, the addict has been purposely dividing everybody kind of like a little kid sometimes he'll go to mom or he'll go to dad depending on what answer he gets and back back and forth and addicts will do the same thing and if he can keep everybody at odds with each other so that another fundamental thing is bringing everybody together so we're now for that person's benefit trying to help them and you know people sometimes will react and say oh i can't believe i can't believe you did this to me and the response is is that i can't believe i'm having to do this for you <laughs> it's not to you for you i can't believe i'm having to but i'm willing to because i care about you and you know and i sometimes even get them to look i said man look around i said do you think these folks actually want to be here doing this right now there's lots of things they'd rather be doing they'd rather be having a barbecue everybody having great telling talk about how great life is but unfortunately they, they can't do that right now <laughs> they're going to be able to do that hopefully months later <laughs> when you get back <laughs> but right now they can't do it so, because they, they care about you. Somebody they care about is, is in trouble and they need to help them. So, what, so. what about if, because like I've, I've seen this as well, is you have somebody that's kind of like 
the savior of the person that's gone through you know the addiction and it's not that they're getting cured but when they do because the person is like their go-to person like normally spouse they actually don't want them to cure it, if you know what i mean that they yeah, yeah. they like that kind of partnership which is strange but I, like i have seen in situations like that well no it's true that's a very very true statement because even when i go in to deal with folks they're not doing well i know for a fact that that person has somebody in their environment either currently or in the past that has had a negative influence on them or is influencing them negatively you know and so and then they've chosen to solve that problem by you know d- d- using drugs or alcohol and you know and so i i know that and hopefully that gets handled as the person goes into treatment and you have to be very tricky in handling the family ahead of time to be watching for that because sometimes people they don't want the person to get better they they want to have that control or whatever or maybe sometimes there's a marriage that happens and the person is, you know, I, I'm speaking of one that recently a, a person, the girl was a mother of three and a good mother, but she had an alcohol problem. She was also a nurse and had been, you know, anyway, but her husband was a little bit of a person who didn't have a lot of self-esteem. So his guy, he, he felt like that, you know, per the family's opinion that he felt, you know, and with, with him not being on board with us helping this girl, the likelihood of us of us having success was going to be not that great. It was just going to be really what I call a low percent shot. But and I and I got the idea that he was afraid of her being beginning sober and getting better because maybe she wouldn't want to have anything more to do with him. You know, maybe she would see him for what he really was, and then he would then so that would get him out. So that you have that instance, and some people are truly, unfortunately, antisocial. So. And those are the ones, the, the truly antisocial folks, you can't really tell that they're antisocial. <laughs> so, you know, they're very covert about their goings on, their dealings and the way they deal with people. So Exactly. And I, I'm just curious that because, you know, depending on the number of people involved, but you've got all different personality types. You've got the, the talkers and you've got the kind of people that just kind of, do what they're supposed to do and just kind of go along with the flow and everything yeah. like have you systems in place to stop the, the ones that can actually wreck it even though they're from their heart they're trying to help but you know by just kind of jumping the gun well that's the thing is when i always sit down with everybody before we do the intervention because i don't need a cowboy out there you know you know I, I, it's what i call a cowboy somebody coming in from the side with their own ideas you know i mean sometimes once we work as a, it is a group effort and sometimes you know the family will come together and they'll come to the table and matter of fact I'll, they'll even do things that i'm thinking in my back i'm gonna use that later <laughs> i had a, a pastor one time that, that was with doing an intervention with me and uh it was some work we had to go in and handle the kids decided they were going to help their dad so we had to, but we didn't have any idea how we were going to do it because the mom was so submissive to the dad that she was, you know, so we had to kind of go through the process of, okay, well, how are we going to do this? And so they brought up these family friends that were in their church that were really respected people that the mom really thought a lot of. And I said, okay, great. So we taught, went over and we're going to go meet with them. 
right? So we went and met with them. And then we, as we were discussing with them, well, they thought, well, we're going to bring in the pastor. So we brought in the pastor. So we got all those folks together. And then we said, okay, now we're going to do the intervention on the mom because the mom is the one that we got to handle to get the dad handled. So we brought the mom in. So she sees the family, friends, and the pastor all on board. So she now feels strong. She's got some backup, some strength. She can now go in and confront. And the guy was a super good guy. He just had a raging alcohol problem. But the pastor comes in, and this is after hours. I mean, we've been going through the process all day long of handling these people. And then we get to the him, and probably five or six that evening, we get in front of him. And uh, we several hours at it. And the pastor just, and it was getting heated. It would get heated for a minute. And, you know, I, I'd coached people on the do's and don'ts. You know, it's okay to get upset, but you don't want to get out of control because sometimes they try to push your buttons and you can't let them push your buttons. You've got to, you know, it's okay to let them know that you're upset and you're mad or, you know, but you got to be controlled. But the pastor came in and just, you could tell, he just told everybody, just let me just, all right, everybody just shush a minute. He went in and you could tell by the way it was going there was only one answer that the, <laughs> it was going to come out of this and, or, you know, and he, I, I, so I'm, I'm like, hands off. I let it go, you know, because it, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful thing to watch. And um, I told him, I said, I want to take you with me everywhere, <laughs> but you know, I, but you have some people that come in and they sabotage it. And I've had people that, you know, out of the blue that have showed up. Oh, this is my family friend. I've, this is my childhood friend. I've known her since forever. And, you know, she really wants to help. And she totally came in and blindsided me because I told him, I don't, I want to meet with everybody first. I want to know who everybody is. It's, I'm, I'm basically the quarterback. I'm, I, I got to look and see what pieces I have and I got to coach them and I got to, you know, guide them in the right direction. Sometimes as, as the intervention goes on, I'm the guy who will, you know, can handle these guys. Sometimes I'm not, you know, and somebody, sometimes there's an, once the family generally knows what to do, they'll carry it out. They'll, they, once they know what to do and what not to do, they'll, they'll, they're part of the process and it just goes along smoothly. This particular situation, the lady came in and she'd had a son and she wasn't able to afford to send her son to the type of program that her friend that I was working with was sending her son to. So she was a little, little bit of like, you know, didn't want her son to have the same treatment that, you know, Anyway, so she totally sabotaged the whole thing. So, and it was like, anyway, I, I so there's, you definitely have to be aware of that. So long answer to your question. No, 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 that's good. And just curious for yourself as well, because obviously there's a lot of emotion and maybe aggression at times. How do you yeah. kind of keep your calm and keep positive and not let it to bring it home with you? Because, you know, like I just know from this, uh, like the podcast, when I'm exposing all the fraud and corruption, I don't let it get into me. Whereas I've got friends that are doing the same and they get seriously depressed from it. And I would assume the same with what you're doing because you're getting so close to the families or the people involved that you're not going home and you're able to sleep, sleep at night. Basically. There, there have been a couple of times that I have, you know, kind of had situations that, uh, you know, I was I, I, unable to shake off. Uh, a couple of times, not many, but I also go and do my own therapy. I go and do my own therapy. I go and do my own counseling, my own, you know, self, what they call self-care, 
you know, I do things that are going to be, you know, help me not carry around that baggage because people ask me when I go in to do these interventions, how do you do? Cause it's very emotional. It is emotional. And they ask me, how do you do this? And I'm like, well, I mean, I'm not connected as you are, but at the same time, I know what the result is. If we could push through this, I know the ending that's coming, you know, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to like, we're swimming for sure. And there's, you know, we've bailed out of the boat. We're swimming for sure. And there's a dang tidal wave and a, all kinds of crap in between our way. But I know we're going to the shore. <laughs> we're going to have our feet on dry ground. So I know what, and, and, you know, a couple of months later, I'll get my reward when people call me and say, hey, you know, my, I had one lady in California that said my son has called me to, you know, and it was a battle. I mean, I had to go in there and, getting this guy's face a couple of times because that's what that situation warranted. But he said he was afraid of, I've always relapsed. And if I go out and I, and I go to this program and I come back and I relapse and I die, it's your fault. And I said, listen, with some very colorful language, I said, listen, dude, I said, if you go out, you know, and go to this program and come out and relapse, it ain't my fault. <laughs> it's yours because I'm trying to get you to live. And you've made the decision to die. That's yours. So I'm trying to get you to live. That's what I want. And he looked at me like nobody had ever, it's almost like somebody had slapped him in the face who said him that. But I said it to him very loudly, right in his face, like, you know, don't try to, don't, don't, that's all stupid. It's dumb for you to even say that. And I'm going to call you on it. And he, it was almost like getting slapped in the face and, wasn't too long after that he came around and we ended up going to traveling all the way across the country to go to a rehab program and had a, a relatively decent time of it. I mean, it was, it was, you know, considering what we were dealing with, I mean, but, uh, you know, it was two, just two guys traveling. So anyway. So I know you've created a course. Was it an online course? You're, you're, you're trying to help people kind of online basically with what you're doing. Yeah. Well, it's basically, I find that the easier I could do my job, I mean, the better training and prepared that I could prepare the family, obviously the easier my job is and the better result that I could have. So if I can, and sometimes people are like, how are you going to confront something that has been consuming your life for years? And how are you going to confront something of that magnitude if you can't even confront the information that you need to be able to handle it? So for me, it's like this is a kind of a, a testament of the people that I know I'm dealing with, regardless of the information that's in the course, which is very based on about 40 years of experience based between me and my colleagues. But it's also being able to sit down and absorb the information and properly prepare yourself, because if you're not even able to do that, the likelihood that you're going to be able to go in and confront and handle the situation is is not very good. So, but it's also an inexpensive way. It's, it's can be pretty expensive for, you know, for my fees, plus the, the, the expenses, you know, and, you know, air fly, airplane costs and hotel stays and rental cars and things like that. Now I, I'm on the lower end of compared to interventionist in the country and probably the most experienced that I know of. I mean, there's some other guys out there. There's not that many of us, but as far as, um, but this is an inexpensive, the course is an inexpensive way to teach the family how to do the intervention themselves if they chose to do it. They would get the information on how to do it, the do's and don'ts. They would get pamphlets. They would get letter writing guides. They would also get a one hour consultation with me to be able to make sure that, to, to help them make sure they're properly prepared. And I've had people do the course 
and then say, you know what, I think I can do this on my own. And I'm like, okay, as long as you have these elements in place and you've got this, this, and this going on, you probably got a good chance at it. If sometimes they feel like we've done the course and maybe we don't feel so confident now, you need to come in and then we'll make a decision like that. But it's a very inexpensive way for them to be able to learn how to help their loved one. It's also, you know, for those that can afford it, that have the problem, it's actually, you know, a good way to right. take, they, you know, they can take the responsibility. You know? And I believe just from listening to another podcast that I listened that you were on, that it's it's basically some video modules that you've you've got that you're you're talking. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's video modules. It's, it's about an hour and 50 minutes of video it's broken up into i think 12 or 13 different videos of you know five minutes seven minutes eight minutes of on various topics you know so basically covering all the i i literally it took i i would set out and i I wrote out an outline of of a guide that i had i had a 38 page guide that i would send people and i never could get people to read it and then so i I cut it down to seven pages of just you know just basically the highlights and i could get people to read that so i would i when i shot the video people would say the videographer uh he just said well tell me about this and i would tell him and then and he's okay good now tell me about this and i would tell him and then he it took us about two and a half hours to edit to to shoot the thing and it's about an hour and 50 minutes so you know, he cut out, he didn't have to cut out a whole lot, you know, of that, of, of the uh, content. So. so, so listen, I mean, it sounds all wonderful. And so how can people find out more about you and uh, find the course? They can go to uh, newmaninterventions.com, which is N-E-W-M-A-N interventions with an S.com, or they can call 866-989-4499. And that's the so, stage so that would be uh zero zero one before that if there's okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that is a toll-free number yeah so okay, okay. Yeah. so yeah no no listen i i love what you're doing and i i know just from being kind of more aware of what's going on in the world there's a lot of people that there's there's a lot of alcoholism and drugs and there's it's it's fairly rampant and you know i don't think uh, a lot of people are aware of how bad it is and the, the more people like yourself that are out there helping people and i know that your success rate is something like in near the 90 percent, which is kind of unheard of really you've got a massive success rate which is uh, you know amazing thank you and i you know it's funny because I appreciate you saying that. Uh, you know, one of the first things I want to tell people is that uh, the most important part, the very first stage of doing intervention is having a program for the person to go to. You know, if you do an intervention on somebody, you, you, once you get their agreement, you have to take them immediately. You can't wait a couple of days. You can't wait till the next day. They literally have to have a backpack. You have to have the travel arrangements already pretty much pre-planned and they just go right then, right? Preferably someplace away from where they live because you know if you're i want to keep them close because i want to go and visit well guess who else is close <laughs> the drug dealer so you know and the friends so and they, they start confronting those things they can just leave so you know it's it's those those fundamental things are important so there's, there's exact sequence of events that need to happen to be successful and i've laid those out and i and this is based on things times that i felt like well this is going to be this is going to be easy and it wasn't then I thought this is going to be a nightmare and it turned out to be, and I had to go and look and see what were the elements of each one of those situations that allowed for them to be exactly opposite of what I expected. And so, and then preparing for that. 
anyway, I could go on and on about it. <laughs> no, 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 but it's it's brilliant. And uh, yeah, like, I mean, I'd put all the links. So yeah. And yeah. is there anywhere else, any other links or anything, or just, just that uh, website? Well, they can go to newmaninterventions.com. And then we actually have a, a life coaching program that we're doing for people that have completed treatment that need further coaching called Angel Life Coaches. They could go there as well angellifecoaches.org either of those locations they can get in touch with me so okay great listen love what you're doing so totally enjoyed our conversation bobby thank Thank you you very much so that's all for the awakening podcast you'll find all our episodes on awakeningpodcast.org as mentioned bit shoot and this one can go on my own personal youtube because the awakening one was removed because they don't like me telling the truth but this one will be okay so you'll find that as well and be sure to give us a thumbs up five star rating share with your friends it all helps until next week take care